Don't punt to Geo, a Carolina football podcast on the Tar Heel Blog podcast, which is hosted by the SB Nation Podcast Network. Tonight, we're going to pontificate on another question posed on Tar Heel Blog by the ever-curious Joe Carpenter, who is joining me and, quite frankly, saving me from having nothing to talk about on this medium during the offseason. The question is as simple or as complicated as you want to make it. How does one define success for the 2019 UNC football team? Pleasantries first. Joe, how are you? How's your Tuesday? Man, it's a great day today. The weather is beautiful in Tidewater, Virginia. It's great, uh, you know, great getting into the week. Pretty, pretty busy, but uh, all is well. Family's doing well. How about you? How was your day today? Good day. Uh, also beautiful here in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. Um, as we discussed pre-show, stepped out onto the golf course for a few holes today and, uh, the iron play was disastrous, but it sounds like uh, you had the exact same experience. It, it was a, a definitely an up and down afternoon, but uh, productive out on the golf course. So always good to, to get a little business on the course. Well, speaking of up and down and productive, that would be a pretty reasonable goal for the 2019 UNC football team coming off back-to-back nine lost seasons. Uh, Joe, you wrote about it on Tar Heel Blog yesterday. How are you going to go about defining success for the 2019 Heels? Yeah, you and I had talked about this a little bit before we even put the article up, and I think that the easiest uh, answer for college football generally is whether or not you make a bowl. I mean, I think that there are there's a small number of schools on a regular basis that success for them is making the playoff or getting to the championship game, perhaps winning the conference is a step below that. I think for most of the rest of the country, sort of the benchmark is whether or not you can get to an even record and make a bowl game. And where I come out on this is I, I just think that's a little high for this team. I think that, uh, we've had some really good discussion. You're part of the article and thank you for participating. It made some great points that the teams over certainly last year and maybe even two years ago were not that far from from making a bowl, uh, but I do think that there's a, a big difference between three wins and and what we'll need to six wins to get to a bowl this year. And I just think that that step with the depth concerns that we have on the team is probably just a little too steep to be realistic. So I I would like to aim someplace lower than that, and that's where I think we can have a discussion about is it winning certain games? Is it just not being embarrassed on national television? Uh, is it re- really, frankly, putting a quality product on the field where we're not killing ourselves with, with penalties and silly mistakes on a regular basis? Um, or is, is it just that we're entertaining to watch and it's, it's a fun team to root for again? Well, they've been entertaining to watch in all of the wrong ways the past couple of years. Um, my premise that they need to make a bowl game is as simple as this. Uh, about 65% of FBS is going to make a bowl game just based on how many bowls there are this year. Um, going six and six and playing in the quick lane bowl is pretty much a uh, gold medal in mediocrity. And that is something UNC should at a minimum be able to achieve on any given year. Uh, Lacking kind of the gimme games outside of the Mercer game in November this year. But I just look at the ACC Coastal and 
besides maybe considering Miami and Virginia slight favorites, every game in there is a toss-up. And if you're telling me that getting to a bowl is not attainable or uh, something that, you know, is kind of a stretch goal for them, I say, I mean, is it possible for UNC to go – Two and eleven in close games like they had the past two years. I don't think so. They they were in the fourth quarter for most of the games over the past two years, despite injuries, despite lackluster quarterback play. I'll say nicely, and despite terrible turnover margins, despite head scratching coaching decisions, this team is not that far away. I do think the schedule is obviously a good bit tougher, but if you're replacing a loss to Syracuse with a loss to Clemson, that's still a loss. And all you have to do is turn a couple of those fourth quarter setbacks into victories. I mean, if Anthony Ratliff Williams uh, completes that pass to Carl Tucker that he could have easily caught in the Syracuse game, that's a win. If Michael Carter doesn't fumble at the one yard line going in against Virginia Tech, that's a win. Um, honestly, if Carolina wins those two games, Larry Fedora is probably still a coach. So I'll consider that a blessing in disguise, to be quite honest with you. But the fact of the matter is, just from a national perception standpoint, UNC is going to be seen as a team on the rise going into the 2019 season just because of the efforts Mac Brown has made on the recruiting trail. Um, per 24-7 sports, they are number eight in the country right now in recruiting. You need to make a bowl just to have a little bit of cachet to continue that forward momentum. And, you know, frankly, it's just an opportunity for UNC, and I don't see missed opportunities as a success would be kind of the end takeaway for me. Yeah, I, I love that. And I do agree that having the extra time to practice and having the extra competitive game at the end of the year, getting a little more spotlight certainly well, helps competitive with the upswing. <laughs> I mean, it is, it, it is a bowl game after all, but I interrupted the hell out of you there. Having, having a game against another team is a yes. good thing toward the end of the year. I do want to... I'm just trying to put a little dose of reality, and I am all aboard the MAC train. I think that the program is clearly heading in the right direction. There's a level of energy that we've not had for a while around Carolina football, and I certainly think that that's a very positive thing. Forty percent of the wins over the last two seasons were against Western Carolina. Another forty percent of the wins over the last two Pitt. seasons were against Pitt. Sure, ACC Coastal Champs, baby. <laughs> but. That gives you an idea that you're looking at four of the five wins are right there around those two schools. And of course we don't play Western Carolina this year. Carolina doesn't. And so that gets you, I th just think that it's certainly possible that the heels make a bowl game this year. But in my mind, I think that they can still be on an upswing and not necessarily have to get to a bowl. And I will go back, a lot of those close losses that we've seen, particularly last year, but really over the last two years, I attribute to, to two sort of, two factors that I think interplay with each other. One is, was depth. And I thought the team on a regular basis looked like they got tired toward the fourth quarter. And even in some circumstances toward the end of the first half, there were some tired stretches and some bad play really toward the end of the fourth quarter in some games, which caused them to have difficulty closing out. And the second factor, which I think exacerbated the the depth issue, was that running that, you know, spread offense, if you go three and out and you only take up 20 seconds of game time, then you're putting your defense right back on the field. 
And so that was was really hurting the team down the stretch. I, the second factor is probably not going to be an issue this year. I mean, they're clearly not going to play a spread offense where you've got these very, very fast, fruitless possessions. I mean, even running the ball a couple of times and taking a couple of minutes off the game clock in a maybe a five-play possession or seven-play possession is going to be enough to get the defense some rest. However, if there are depth concerns, it's in, you know, particularly the linebacking core is one of the real concerns of where the depth is this year. And so I do still worry that at the ends of the game, there's going to be trouble making those key stops. And that's why I think it's going to take more than just one good recruiting class for us to have a reasonable expectation of being, of the Tar Heels being able to make a, a bowl game. And I'm just going to disagree with everything you said there. That's what makes it a debate. Um, Great. Yeah, I mean, the depth issues were not so much exacerbated by uh, the play calling, though that was bad. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily going to get any better. Phil Longo actually runs a little bit more tempo than Fedora did post-2014. Um, I will say the quarterback play is going to be better, so you're going to have less three and outs. UNC was... I want to say in the upper 20% of three of the country in three and outs last year. Um, the depth issues for me came down to injuries. I mean, when, when you're losing 15 to 17 scholarship players, you're playing with a hand tied behind your back and you know, they, they weren't just your run of the mill uh, third stringer out for the year. I mean, these were key guys. If you go back, I mean, Miles Dorn missed significant time last year, the year before that, Andre Smith out for the season, William Sweet out for the season. Um, the list just goes on and on. Um, with the Shoegate suspensions from last year, UNC was already playing with a hand tied behind their back and on one leg. Um, getting rid of Lou, Lou Hernandez, the strength coach, I think is huge. Um, he had them basically maxing out in weight training during the season, which is a good way to play on tired legs, which is a great way to get college football players hurt. Um, the new strength coach whose name is slipping my mind at the moment. That's embarrassing. Um, he is much more 21st century in his approach. And I think UNC is going to be a much better team in the fourth quarter. I do think, uh, if I, I think you nailed that the uh, concerns for depth are going to be on the defense. Uh, the transition to a three, four is going to make for some, let's say interesting positional fits. Um, Given what we saw in the spring game, guys like Jake Lawler and Chris Collins, who have been buried on the depth chart, were starters at outside linebacker, and uh, spring injuries played a role in that. So we're not quite past that um, injury malaise. But kind of the last point I have is that using the word malaise as a jumping off point, with the injuries, with the way 2016 ended, led into 2017, which was just awful, and then carried over into 2018 with Shoegate and everything, there was just a malaise over the program. There was no interest from the fan base. And you could see that manifest itself on the field. I don't know what just player happiness or confidence is worth, but this coaching staff really appears to be making believers out of players. And my my belief is that you see the most benefit from a coaching change in the first year just when there is a different message if the players buy in. And I think that's worth three wins in and of itself. And that is before you get into quarterback play or schematic changes on the defense or anything like that. I think just the positivity around the program right now is worth wins in a quarter of the games. And 
you know, you take Mercer as a given win, you take Clemson as a given loss, and everything else is a toss-up. I have faith that the team can go five and five and make a bowl game. And if they don't, then I'm going to be sorely disappointed. So let me ask if taking everything you said, and I, you make obviously great points as you always do on this podcast. Just oh, out you. of curiosity, look, yeah, I'm, I'm buttering you up right here. I know. South Carolina, August 31st. Is that? the most important game Carolina football has had in the last perhaps let's say three years. I mean, if everything that you said is right and the players are charged and they're ready to go and the fan base is charged and ready to go and we've got a new direction and there's a lot of optimism, do we have to come out and prove it in week one and before that starts to slip or is there is there a, a cushion around that optimism that says you can take a loss on opening night and still be able to to maintain for the next couple of weeks? There's a grace period, but you can't go in and be down 21 nothing against South Carolina in the first quarter and get your ass kicked. Um, you know, basically the nine months the coaching staff has spent building them up, coaching them up, and you know, telling them what they're doing right. You can't go in and you know, in the first quarter, just give up a long drive and then throw an interception, let him score again, and then have a three and out and punt it to him, let him score again, and have that message seem like it's um reaching anybody. That would be a disaster. I think the most important game for UNC is actually the one next on the schedule is that Miami game. Because if Carolina can take Tate Martell, who has not played meaningful snaps in college and has, quite frankly, shown himself to be a little bit overrated and kind of a big time goober. Um if Carolina beats Miami goes to 1 and 0 in the ACC, I mean, you're not really going to be able to tell me that UNC doesn't have a decent shot at winning the Coastal at that point. Um I think the South Carolina game is a game where they need to show some serious signs of progress and um show some hope. I don't expect them to win it, but I'd say it's a you know, it's probably a 60-40 toss-up, as is the Miami game. Um, really, every game is the most important game until they win one. And uh, with um, Wake Forest and Appalachian State coming in after that, Carolina definitely needs to win those two. And I think that uh, kind of goes into a point that you made about starting to take over these battles in state. Um, there, there was some ridiculous stat. I know Dre Bly never lost to a – team that was in the state of North Carolina and there was something like a 27 and one run for UNC under Mac Brown. So that's going to be a point of emphasis. And I'm going to let you speak on that a little bit more because that was one of your uh, main takeaways. Yeah. I think that that's a point one that's just critically important for the fan base. So I had one of the summer articles last year that I questioned what's the biggest football game of the season and overwhelmingly, the comments came back that it was NC State was the the biggest game of the season with with Duke second, and then for those sort of outside the state of North Carolina, I think Virginia Tech and Virginia were in there as well. But those yeah. were, but for the core fan base, the in-state games, particularly NC State and against secondarily Duke, are the most important games of the year to win from a pride standpoint for the program. They're very important because from day one, 
Mac Brown said, we are going to recruit in the state of North Carolina. And for however many months, we're five months in, it's a six months in at this point. He has done that and done so very, very successfully. To continue to do that, though, the program is going to have to win the state of North Carolina on the field. And that's what's going to enable him to win the state of North Carolina in the living rooms of the recruits. And that's why I think that those games are important, one, to the fan base, but secondly, to the program from a developmental standpoint. And for me, long term, I'm not concerned about NC State, Duke, or Wake Forest uh, winning battles against UNC in the living room. Um, I do, however, think that, you know, for the fan base to buy in a little bit, UNC needs to win three of the four in-state games, uh, Appalachian State being the fourth one. And, you know, with Appalachian State and Wake Forest coming up in uh, September, I mean, th- those games take vital importance, and UNC can absolutely afford to do no worse than a split in those two because, you know, it, it goes back to what I said about the first quarter of the South Carolina game. You know, it's, it, it, if your messaging is that, you know, we're, we're better than we – we're better than our record showed and we're going to win in state. You you have to go out and prove that. And the way the schedule shakes out, you've got to, I mean, you've really got to do that early because South Carolina and Miami are probably two of the three or four toughest games on the schedule. And then Wake and App for the past two years have been better programs than UNC. I'm, I mean, there's no question about that. So to win those two is going to be huge. I, th- I think Carolina's going to, host by Duke this year, uh, barring injury gate round three. And then NC State's just going to be a bloodbath. I'm, I, I mean, that, and I don't say a bloodbath, meaning somebody's going to blow somebody out. That, that's just going to be a really heated game this year. Um, if we're going to find success by winning the in-state battles strictly, UNC needs to win three out of four for me to buy in. And that's assuming that this is not a six-win team, as you are saying. We have found a point that we agree on. They have got to win three of those four. That's I absolutely agree that that's the way to maintain positive momentum. That's the way to drive enthusiasm in the fan base on uh, longer than through the middle of September, end of September. I mean, that's picking up the, the two early. You're exactly right. That is the way to go. Uh, in order to, to keep this positive vibe heading into what is going to be a very difficult end of September through October stretch. Uh, those are going to be some, that's a tough, tough round of games there. So I'll hit you with one more. I got to know, cause you're, you're obviously, I think, very optimistic about the, the prospects of the team. You're sort of the, football version of what I was for Carolina basketball coming into the year. So tell me when, when the team gets to Clemson on September 28th, what's their record? I think they're two and two. I'm not quite sure if I would confidently project any of those games. Um, let's put it this way. I'm not putting money on any of the first four games, but I don't see a situation where they open zero and two. And I don't really see a situation where they are um quite ready to maintain the focus to beat both uh Wake Forest and Appalachian State back to back. So I think you could see something like, you know, lose against South Carolina, then go home and beat Miami, um, 
lose at Wake on a Thursday night, which is going to be a trickier game than we're probably giving it credit for, and then come back and beat App State at home. Um, really, I mean, you, you could slice it any number of ways, but I think they'll be two and two going into that Clemson game, two and three coming out of it, obviously. And that positions them quite well. Um, Virginia Tech's still dealing with a lot of problems. Georgia Tech is starting over from scratch. Uh, Virginia is going to be pretty good, but not exceptional by any means. Duke loses the sixth overall pick, he says, kind of laughing to himself. Um, <laughs> you, you've got the Mercer win, and then, you know, Carolina's had Pat Narduzzi's number for whatever reason. Um, I think they owe us an ass kicking, and I think, if you put a gun to my head, I think Pitt's going to probably get a win over UNC. But if I was leaning against UNC in any of the games after Clemson, I would probably say Virginia won Pitt 2, NC State 3. But NC State honestly feels about like a toss-up to me. So anything beyond that, I, I think UNC has a good chance at uh, four wins after September. Boy, that Pitt game becomes a really big game on the schedule for a number of reasons. So it's toward the end of the season. The team, I think, best case scenario is battling for bowl eligibility at that point, uh, which makes it an important game. Plus, it's a Thursday night game. It's at Pitt. There's going to be a lot of national eyes on that game uh, and will be a really important one to, I think, to circle on the calendar as we move through the season. And I think kind of the overwhelming point I have about this whole endeavor is that UNC is going to have some national showcase games. Um, just given Matt Brown's cachet, both as a Texas head coach and then in the ESPN booths, uh, he's probably going to get some preferential treatment and the program's probably going to be better off for it. But the fact is UNC has to win and the South Carolina game will be on national TV. Um, at wake on a Thursday night will be on national TV. Um, you know, going against, uh, the NFL opener, but. National TV, no less. Uh, Clemson, given, given that they're Clemson, will be on national TV. Uh, Pitt, as you just mentioned, will as well. So UNC is going to have a few shots at getting the publicity that ultimately moves the team forward. Uh, what you can't do is just go 0 and 4 in every recruit and every parent and every high school coach's, uh, chances to see, see you if you're, you know, trying to bring in a, quarterback recruit from Texas or Arkansas as the Heels are trying to do, or if you're building a lot of hype and bringing a bunch of recruits to the Clemson game to have them check out uh, how awesome the atmosphere is. Um, I mean, you just can't take four ass kickings there. And, you know, that, that's kind of, that kind of plays into my other point about getting bowl eligible. If UNC goes six and six, people are going to laud Mac Brown as a miracle worker and say, Look at what this guy was able to do with a roster that had won five games over the past two years. What kind of trajectory is this team on? And that's going to be just a three-hour infomercial for the Heels, win or lose in a bowl game. And that that's why I think being able to capitalize on this momentum is so uh, key. I love it. I love it. I appreciate you uh, participating in the debate this week. I think there are a lot of good points, I think, on this one. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. I just don't think that that requiring that level of turnaround in a single season is what we should be measuring success for for this team uh, on during this year. I think it's it's 
winning those in-state games like we talked about, and it's staying at least staying competitive in those national games. That's where that's where I put the line. So it's a lower bar. I hope you are right. I hope that that the team we get to the end of the year and we say that the season was a success because they won the in-state games because they stayed close competitively in the nationally televised games in the big games and because they were bowl eligible. I hope that that's where where everybody is at the end of the year. And just I'm and I'm going to just throw it back at you right quick. Um I mean 4 months into the year of 2019 I mean, well, real quick, where do you, you know, on a scale of one to 10, where do you have the success of the year 2019 right now? Oh, couldn't, could not be higher for this program. I mean, based on the last two years, the fact that, that they are involved in the national conversation, that they are getting a, a ton of recruits, that they're, they're moving the program in the right direction, that they're, Frankly, that there's media coverage, that there's national coverage of the program at this point it is, I am certain that there is no other team that has won five games over the last two years that's getting this kind of coverage. So that's got to tell you that they are clearly from an enthusiasm standpoint, uh, moving in the right direction. And I would put this as an unqualified success to this point in the year. And I think if uh, the expectation is unqualified success, which is not fair, you know, nothing, nothing in this life, uh, in the life of college football is an unqualified success outside of Tuscaloosa or Clemson right now. But if this team uh, is able to eke out six wins and make a bowl game, I think unqualified success continues to define 2019 for UNC and you start to see these in-state guys like Desmond Evans and uh, Trenton Simpson, other guys who are, you know, legitimate elite recruits come in and really start building this thing. And I'm just going to ride four months of uh, unqualified success and continue to hope for more. So, um, Joe, I appreciate, like I said, you keeping uh, some interesting topics out there for us to discuss during the offseason. Uh, we will try to get a few more people, a few more opinions on for the next one. But, um, until next time, I mean, outside of these debates, what can you plug? Cause I know we have to get back and, uh, hit our backlog and catch a basketball one here shortly. Yeah. I tell you, it's every Monday. The debate is up. Uh, we've got, you're right. We had a couple of, uh, basketball ones over the last couple of weeks talking about the importance of Kobe White, uh, talking about, uh, the era change for or potential era change for the Tar Heels on the on the hard court. So it was time to switch a little bit to the gridiron. I just want to again chime in, and, as I've said before, and really compliment the excellent comments that we're getting from readers uh, who are, are weighing in and bringing out a lot of good points and frequently points that that I had not considered in putting these articles together. Also, want to thank you for getting involved and for for really advancing, um, advancing the ball, if you will, uh, on the debate this week. So look for the, the next debate coming up, uh, next Monday. Absolutely. And, um, you're definitely generating some great conversation. So hopefully we can continue the conversation, uh, on this post on Tar Heel blog. And, you know, if, if y'all have ideas, leave us a five star review and leave it that way on any, uh, platform that you listen to. I'll be able to see it that way. 
um, in the comments section. It might be a little bit hit or miss. But you can also just uh, find Joe at, at Joe Carp IV on uh, the Twitter, uh, Joe Carpenter IV on the Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Chad underscore Floyd. Um, until next time, uh, keep the great comments coming. Uh, keep listening. We appreciate uh, the continued support we're getting from our podcast listener base, which is growing. Um, so continue to help us out with that. And until next time, go Heels.